the shadows with Jordan. Welcome back to another episode. This week, we're going to be diving into one of my favorite spooky season topics, witches. I asked out loud, what should I do for this week's episode? And my daughter answered, witches. I said, ooh, that would be fun. As I stared at my new crystal, my sister-in-law got me after visiting Salem last week. I thought to myself, hmm, that must be a sign. (laughs) Witches in society today are normalized through TV, like Bewitched, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Charmed, or even through movies like Practical Magic, The Craft, and even Harry Potter. You even see modern-day witches coming out of the broom closet all over social media, especially on TikTok. They're making videos and going live, teaching people how to make money bowls, cord-cutting spells, self-love spells. It's actually quite fascinating to watch them teach other spell work. But being a witch hasn't always been so liberating and free. In fact, being a witch was looked at as sinister and that you were serving the devil in the eyes of the church. There was no getting baptized for those who were once witches that turned to God, like how Kat Von D did this month. Many religions in the medieval and modern eras taught that the devil gives people power to harm others in return for their loyalty, and that these people were called witches. This eventually caused a witchcraft craze to ripple through Europe from the 1300s all the way to the 1600s. Tens of thousands of supposed witches, which were mostly women, were executed. While the witchcraft craze was ending, the Salem witch trials were just beginning. In 1689, the English monarch William and Mary had started a war with France in the American colonies. The King William's War ravaged through upstate New York, Nova Scotia, and Quebec, which sent refugees to Essex and Salem Village. The refugees placed a strain on Salem's resources, which caused aggravation amongst the rival families that had ties to the wealth of the port of Salem and those who were dependent on agriculture. Now keep this in mind as we continue towards the end of the episode. You'll see why later. Controversy was also stirring over the Reverend Samuel Paris, who was Salem's first ordained minister in 1689. He quickly gained a reputation for his rigid ways and greedy nature. By January 1692, Paris's daughter Elizabeth and niece Abigail Williams started to have these weird kind of, I guess you could call them, fits, where they would scream, throw things, utter strange sounds, and even contorted themselves. It was like a scene from The Exorcist. A local doctor blamed the supernatural as the cause. Then another girl named Anne Putnam Jr. experienced similar episodes. 
on February 29th, the girls were under pressure from Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne, who were colonial officials who tried local cases. These girls ended up accusing three women. The three women were Tituba, a Caribbean woman who was enslaved by Paris's family, Sarah Good, a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, an elderly poor woman. This is truly when the real witch hunt began. On March 1st, all three women were brought in for interrogation for several days. Both Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne claimed to be innocent. But as for Tituba, she confessed and stated, The devil came to me and bid me to serve him. She went on to describe elaborate images of black dogs, red cats, yellow birds, and a tall man with white hair who wanted her to sign his book. She even admitted that she signed the book and claimed there were several other witches looking to destroy the Puritans. Fear and paranoia are a very strong and powerful emotion that can really cause havoc if you allow it to control you. Now, imagine a village full of fear and paranoia. It really becomes a shit show full of finger pointing. That's exactly what ended up happening here. Streams of accusations happened over a few months span. Martha Corey was a loyal member of the church, and once charges were brought against her, the community really started to question and raise concerns. If she could be a witch, then really anyone could really be one. (laughs) Get this, Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter Dorothy was even questioned. Her scared and timid answers were construed as a confession. Now, how crazy is that? Poor four-year-old. Things got so serious that the colony's deputy governor, Thomas Danforth, attended the hearings and started to ask more serious questions in April. At this point, dozens of people, not only in Salem, but in other Massachusetts villages, were brought in for questioning. On May 27, 1962, Governor Willem Phipps ordered the establishment of the Special Court of Oyer to listen and to decide for Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties. Bridget Bishop was the first accused witch to be brought in front of the Special Court. She was an older woman who was known for her gossip talks and her sexuality. When she was asked if she committed witchcraft, she responded by saying, I'm as innocent as a child unborn. But sadly, she was found guilty, and on June 10th, she was the first person to be hung on the gallows hill. Days after the court was established, Cotton Mather, a respected minister, wrote a letter to the court to not allow spectral evidence and testimony. Spectral evidence was a form of legal evidence based upon testimony of those who claimed to have experienced visions. The court ignored this request and ended up finding five other people guilty and sentenced to hanging in July. 
By the end of September, 13 more people were hung. Increase Mather, the father of Cotton Mather, denounced the use of spectoral evidence on October 3rd. He stated that it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. Governor William Phipps responds to all the pleas, as well as his own wife's questioning as a suspected witch. He finally decided to ban further arrests and release many accused witches. On October 29th, he dissolved the court of Oyer and replaced it with a superior court of judicator, which disallowed spectoral evidence and only condemned three out of 56 defendants. May of 1693, Governor Wilm Phipps had pardoned all those imprisoned on witchcraft charges. But sadly, the fear and paranoia won and the damage was already done. 19 men and women were hung on Gallows Hill. Gills Corey, Martha's 71-year-old husband, was pressed to death by heavy stones in September of 1692 after he refused to submit himself to a trial. The mass hysteria even led to two dogs being killed because it was believed they were linked to the devil. In the years following the trials and execution, it was time to really start restoring good names. Samuel Swell, an accuser, and Putnam publicly confessed to errors and to guilt on their behalf. On January 14, 1697, Massachusetts General Court ordered a day of fasting and soul-searching over the tragedy of Salem. In 1702, the court declared the trials unlawful, and in 1711, the colony passed a bill restoring the rights of the accused, as well as granting a total of 600 pounds in restoration to their heirs. Wow, listen to how fucked up this is. It took Massachusetts more than 250 years later to finally formally apologize for the events of 1692. That's crazy. It took him that long. Now listen to how cool this is. Elizabeth Johnson was the last to be exonerated. Eighth grade civic students lobbied a campaign and won. Johnson was officially exonerated in July of 2022. The reasons were unknown why Johnson was left out of the 1957 resolution. Now, there's a theory out there that this all happened because the people of Sam were eating wheat that had gone bad. Now, remember how I said to stay to keep in mind the refugees placed a strain on Salem's resources. And with that, they were eating wheat that had gone bad, that had really gone through a late frost, and it developed a fungus called Eggert. Eggert is a psychedelic similar to LSD. So when these people were eating and making things out of the wheat, they were tripping. Once the frost was gone and the wheat was eaten, they basically snapped out of the trip they were on. So I don't like I don't know. It's just a theory that's out there. But I find that absolutely crazy that this all could have been avoided if that war never happened. Like, 
Would they have still been tripping? Like, I don't know. It all makes sense because Tituba was stating she was describing all these images and all this stuff. So if she was hallucinating, that could be. And if the girls were hallucinating when it first happened, that makes a lot of sense because they were contorting their bodies, screaming out of control, moaning certain things. Like those could all be effects of the agart. So this theory really does align with a lot of what was going on. Plus, if you're having a psychedelic reaction, if you're tripping off of it, it can cause paranoia, fear, your whole mind starts really going into a whole nother realm and dimensions and things like that. So I can definitely see how this theory falls in line with everything. But I just find it absolutely crazy that this all happened. And it could be all because of this fungus. Pretty, pretty crazy. Either way, let me know your thoughts. What do you feel about the Salem witch trials? Do you have any connection to the Salem witch trials? And if so, let me know your thoughts.